dmtwclothing.com. Don't make this weird. Um, whatever it is that you do in life, again, do with your heart, chase your passions, and watch it become reality. That's what we're about. You guys are going to find some cool items, some MMCast items for sale here in the next three weeks. They'll be all launched and uh, next, you know, more conventions, things like that. So, Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mars. And welcome back to Bachelors Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What happened to your d- delivery there? You just, like, lost all of your smooth. I, that, that, was, that wasn't smooth. I thought that was a smoother. I think normally welcome I'm more of Welcome back to Bachelors like, of Modern. This is Alex Kessler. <laughs> I feel like I could be, I'm more of, like, a spaz, though, like that. And welcome wow. back to Masters of Modern. And to those of you who just found Sunday, our podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> to those of you who just found our podcast for the first time, I promise you we talk about magic. Um, let's get into the show. And the movie Suicide Squad. No. <laughs> uh, Stranger Things, the TV show? Kessler basically the was game, just like. Pokemon Go. <laughs> Kessler was pretty much just like, well, what our about podcast Harry got Potter popular. Our podcast got popular and I want to find a place that I can talk about things I love. Rather than starting another podcast, I'll just hijack the magic podcast. Harry Potter and the Strange Shop. <laughs> let's start this episode over. Why? I think this was great. We just yelled and talked. Yeah, no, we're keeping all this. All right, so today we're talking about tempo. <laughs> okay, uh, but we should get all of our little shout outs out. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. Let's let's see so, if we can so, rattle them off. All right, so first off, Twitter. Yep, we're on Twitter uh, at, the MMcast. at the MMcast. If you want to interact with us, this is probably the best place. Currently, I just asked everyone a question that we'll probably talk about later in the podcast. So follow us there. Uh, our Patreon. It's uh, how we do. A chunk of the things we're able to do. Yeah, um, we're, we're like recently we've uh, we've bought like a new mic and we have been buying small little small little things and and as we develop this video setup that is getting closer and closer by the week, which is very cool. Um, there is there is move forward. We got a guy like our, our friend Mike. We're, we're yeah. able to give him some money so he has the time to start posting videos. Yeah, he's like our engineer of things and, and then, helping us with our other videos and and we are personally on Twitter. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. I'm at Cass Wiley. You can also find uh, the MMCast on Twitter. Or on sorry on Instagram and Facebook, we're at the MMCast across the board. We don't have a Snapchat though. We don't have a Snapchat, but Instagram's killing that anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> yeah, and then of course we we need to remember to mention every week uh, our amazing partnership with DMTW Clothing, yeah. this lifestyle brand. These guys are awesome. We have a play mat that we just made for sale last week, uh, and there's like a few left, I think. Uh, our Patreon members are getting the first few of them. They're signed and numbered. There was only 25 in this first run. Kessler and I. Kept one each. We, we are sending out the, the handful of the Patreon. And then there was like 15 or 16 left for sale. And there's a few of them left, I think. Um, definitely go to DMTW Clothing. We are running a promo right now. Yeah, they're sweet. You get to know what we look like. Yeah, they're, like it's, a really, sweet. it's a really cool mat. Like, yeah. it looks totally awesome. I'm really proud of it. Um, I think you guys should check it out. And, and uh, you know, there will be more of this probably product released eventually, but they won't be signed in numbers. And, and so I think of if you're like, well, like I kind of had the old mat, or I don't want to be playing on Ben and Alex's faces. Uh, remember that if, you know, this mat does well, which it is doing well, but if it does super well with your help, other cool stuff will come. Yeah, there's more the products we're working on. But, uh, yeah, go go to dmtwclothing.com. Sign up. There's a promo. If you sign up with your email address, uh, join their list, you'll be entered into a drawing to win one of these mats that we're going to be giving away. That's the squeaking of the mic stand. And, uh, of course, 
Well, those are pet mouse that we just keep. <laughs> Check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone, at yeah. rocketjump.com. Jimmy and Josh. We got to play magic with those guys, the two of us with them it last was like week. A picture. It was crazy. Yeah. I uh, people have recommended, <laughs> and I kind of would love to do this, uh, a episode where we, not telling, like for April Fool's next year, yeah. not telling anyone, switch podcasts for oh, a week. Okay. Where we do The Command Zone and they do Masters of Modern. Right. Which would be pretty great because. Other than me, none of you play the other person's format. <laughs> yeah, I don't love Commander. And they have I've, I've never seen Josh and maybe they've played against yeah. like Modern once. The last thing I would like to say before we start the episode is congratulations to friend of the podcast, Andrew Brown, for top eighting yet another, another top eight of a pro tour. He's becoming he's he's making that like future Hall of Famer argument pretty pretty handedly. Ridiculous. I mean, like, I remember when that guy didn't even like to play constructed. I remember, the, I remember the day that he played his first standard tournament, and he was like, can I play Archaeomancer in standard? Isn't that the... Archaeomancer is the one that returns an instant sorcery, right? Yes. Yeah, the four drop, but he was trying to like play it in like a Delver deck or something like that, or a Delver style deck from yeah. a few years ago. I mean, like, Stan looks actually kind of sweet right now, like between like Bant and Emerge, Team mm. Merge, which is what Andrew played. Yeah, Team Merge is sweet. Um, so anyway, that's standard. Congratulations to Andrew. We're proud of him. We love that guy. Let's get into the show. Cool. Cool. Talking about tempo. We're talking about tempo decks today. <coughs> everything you need to know about tempo. Next in our series of the everything you need to know uh, playstyles. Yes. Which just happened because I, without realizing, created a uh, naming convention on Twitter or on our, our uh, episode naming thing because I am a man of habit. Yes. Yeah. So, how's today going to work? What is tempo? What is tempo? That's what we're going to start with. Tempo it's, it's like, is it's like when you're playing an instrument. And yeah. You have to, like, keep on pace and there's like a little clicky thing on the piano yeah i mean tempo is tempo is a style of playing magic that is about temporary advantage uh pressed turn by turn so you're not throwing haymakers you're doing things that temporarily swing the game in your favor gaining incremental capitalizing advantage. on it immediately yeah capitalizing on it, on it immediately it's about it's about gaining advantage in the small windows created by those temporary advantages um there have classically been a lot of very famous tempo decks. They're not, tempo's not always something that's good in every format, is the thing. The, the most famous tempo deck of all time... I don't know if that's true. I think, I think pretty much every format has, has a, temp- a tempo deck in it. Definitely. But, for instance, tempo in modern has gone in and out of being playable. Uh, sure, uh, but, I mean, I guess my point more is that, like, every format has a tempo deck that's tier one to tier two, for right. sure. Uh, it, the question is, is it, like... Tempo at times has been the tier one, right? And so when it's not the tier one, it feels like it's not playable. But in reality, it's still like like blue red Delver is a tier point one point five, or not Delver, but Tempo and Modern right now is probably a one point five one deck. Like definitely, I mean, it's always because the because it's like because if it comes out correctly, you're gonna seem like a genius. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing about Tempo is if it comes out correctly, it seems unbeatable. So. And the cards like what I mean, it, there's always just something good about playing an early. I mean, okay, so so basically, what tempo hinges on is you play a early threat, and then the rest of your spells are meant to combination protect your threat and or prevent your opponent from doing what they're trying to do. Right. So you're a control deck, but instead of trying to buy, you know, just stop your opponent, you're really just trying to buy time. So which is why it's called tempo because tempo is a time based word. It has time roots. 
right? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's about pace. Yeah, so, pace so the idea is that, you know, and that's why, like, the most famous tempo deck is normally Delver decks. Well, the most famous tempo deck of all time is a legacy deck that was originally called Canadian Thresh before the printing of Delver. It used to be played Nimble Mongoose uh, as the only like, one like drop. famous in history, but, like, I, I feel like most known tempo deck by a player born into today's world is yeah. Delver. But I'm saying, so... Which is what used to be Canadian Thresh before Delver. Canadian Thresh, yeah, Delver was printed... And then it became. Actually, I don't know if I could say legacy is any more cons- like it, a deck that's good in legacy. Is it the, just the became Rug Delver, and then when Modern was created, they tried porting Rug Delver over, and it, it well, has taken different blue, like, forms. Blue white and blue white red Delver was like a standard format dominating deck on the level of like what Jund was and yeah. what Valakut was and what Fairies was. Definitely, so like, I played it. It was fantastic. Yeah, so like, I think that's where that Delver. I think the modern version, because the first modern decks that were, the first Delver decks that were good at modern right. were blue, white, red ones, which were pretty much just straight up ports from that. Then people started missing, and then like, and people tried Teamer. Like, those are the two sides you can come in the modern. original, yeah. You can either come from Legacy or come from Standard. Right. Um, back then, Standard, because like the problem is there's no Wasteland. Like, yeah. And there's no Days. And Days and Wasteland are the Super two biggest cards. tempo cards that are important and, in. And Force, but I mean. Force yeah. of Will is Force, like, yeah. every deck in Legacy plays Force of Will, while, like, the Days and Wasteland combo, which are cards that other decks play, but, like, they're kind of this, I played Delver in turn one, and now you won't play another spell for the rest of the game. Yep. And eventually, you know, and, and so that's that's kind of what these decks try to do, is they play an early threat, like, turn one, turn two, get a threat on the table, and then for the rest of the game, you're locking your opponent out. Right. So that your one little threat be it a 3-2 flyer for one, or a 2-1 for two that creates tokens every time you cast a spell, or Tarmogoyf, <laughs> right. is going to kill your opponent before they can stop it. Yeah, I mean, people have called it Protect the Queen. You play one threat and you protect it. I mean, that's... Sure. Yeah, sure, there's, there's, there's like lots of different ways to describe it. But I mean, and, and the interesting thing is there's... It's not always like like you could describe you could describe tempo in modern as like a Delver deck basically as as the simplest way to look at it play there's, a Delver there's flip a few it other and ways protect to it kind of describe that but yeah but I mean the style of play the style of play is is sort of like it's that counting turn by turn okay what is this cheap spell I have how's it gonna interact if I play this spell I keep this mana open for this counter spell can I be exact with my mana super efficiency everything is like three or less CMC for the most part lots of two and one drops well, I think I think that in general modern is a tempo format there are I mean Merfolk is a tribal tempo deck Merfolk is a tribal tempo deck I, th- I would argue in fact is a tempo deck in many ways it's a combo deck that's the thing it, well it, it could seem co- I mean like you have a creature you play it early, you're attacking with it, and you're doing everything you can to protect that creature to kill your opponent. But it's non-interactive. In fact, pretty much doesn't interact. So it's not a tempo deck. Okay. I don't think. I mean, I think tempo decks historically interact. Maybe it more moves into a... I guess, fair enough. Game one, you're right. I would say what In fact does do, though, is it definitely sideboards into a tempo deck. Game sure. two or game three against a lot of opponents. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, when you look at a glass cannon deck in in uh, modern, do you classify a glass cannon deck as a combo deck? I've heard people refer to burn as a combo deck before because it's it's just a... It's a series of how many of these things can I play in this many turns to count to this number? Well, I think... I, I do think then that, like... And this is a different conversation for a different day necessarily, but there's two types of combo decks, and right. I think... And in reality, there's... One type of combo deck, and those are decks that, like, all my cards 
do a specific thing on an axis that my opponent is not ready to handle, and they combine it in a way that I instantly win. Right, and and it's non-interactive. And it's nah, I don't know if that necessarily has to do with the definition because like Twin was a te- was definitively a combo deck, but it had a lot of tempo I interaction mean, in it. If Twin was still legal, this would be a whole different conversation we were having because Twin was like Twin was the that was what made Twin insane. Was Twin was just like a blue red tempo deck that had a combo. Sure. I mean, when you, again talking to Andrew. Talked to Andrew and Eugene when that was legal, and they were like, so over here, you have your eight Pokemon cards, and then here's the rest of your deck. And they'd be like, you can either just, like, play with these fake magic cards that aren't actually real, but are only good in, like, or... Right. You, yeah, right? And they would just essentially describe it as, like, this is just a really, really, really good blue-red deck, and then if you want to play these eight cards, you can. You know, and I was always... That's like... I mean, it's true. Like, sure. And, and, and that's a unique example. There's very few decks ever in Magic's history that have existed where the combo was that powerful. Right. Where half your combo was a flying 2-1 card that tapped down a creature. Like, yeah. Or a 1-4, but... Or a permanent. Way. Yeah. So... But, I mean, I guess my point when I was talking about different type of combo decks, there's the combo decks that are... I'm trying to assemble pieces together to, that make me win, and then there's... My deck is all... Working towards a goal. So, like, Storm and Infect and Burn would be the later versus um, Twin or Amulet Vigor decks or any of those kind of decks that would be more of the former. Right. Definitely. Um, but back to Tempo and not Combo because that's not what we're talking about. So, there's something I really do want to bring up. So, Blue yep. in general as a color. And its relationship to Combo. And it's, well, it's no, it's Tempo. To Tempo, sorry. We're talking about Combo. Yeah. I derailed you. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> um, so, classically, blue cards are control cards. Counterspell is the premier control card of all time, followed by fourth, like the most basic control card of all time. Jace, Force of Will, all these are very control cards. But modern has moved blue much more towards tempo style play. All of its counterspells reward being proactive in the early game because they're all very, very, very quickly fall off once you get past turn five. Would you say that? Remand is the most tempo card ever printed. <laughs> it's like the it is like the definition yeah. of tempo. I, I don't know if most because like unsummon days, days is also like yeah days is awful after turn three. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean remand. That's, I'll, I'll give you that. So in modern, I think remand is the most tempo card that exists. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a temporary, cheap, efficient counterspell that draws you a card that doesn't actually answer the question long term. I mean that's like a, that's as tempo as it yeah. gets. Um, Vapor Snag is a super super tempo-y card. It's not anywhere near as ubiquitous as Remand. Yeah, I'd say like Vapor Snag. I, I think actually I've been testing with Vapor Snag recently because I've been testing with tempo decks. Yeah. Uh, getting back to my Geist roots, but uh, I think Vapor Snag is heavily underplayed in modern. That card's just that sweet. card is like very nuts. Yeah. Like, especially like, with Snapcaster. Like just like. I mean that's what people used to do in standard. That was awesome. That was so yeah. much fun. That was great. I loved Vapor Snagging with Snapcaster. Right. I'm currently playing a deck that's playing like three Vapor Snag, four Path, four Lightning Bolt, and I'm just like, you're never going to have a creature in play. Yeah, I mean, so whenever that happens, things swing away from creature decks. But, but I, and also, Snag is Snag's distinctly bad against decks that have like tons and tons of ETB effects. Sure. Yeah. Which so, is like collected company decks, which is, are good in the format, though. Yeah, Snag against Kitchen Finks is the worst thing ever. It's like so bad. Yeah, but you know when they're getting two life, you're snagging it, and then you're swinging it with Geist and Draft and doing six with their dome. Yeah, it's slightly true. better. <laughs> right, and I mean that's so you're you're defining tempo right now because right. long term, if they can continually replay that, and they're going to win. Yeah. But if you can like that one turn where you're like, all right, I'm going to remand this guy, they'll lose one, then I'll swing for six, 
they'll replay it, they'll gain two, and then I'll flat, you know, flash it back. Same deal, and I win. That's kind of the definition of what tempo looks like. It's like not really worrying about them gaining life, not really worrying as much about what they're doing. Well, it's it's interesting because it's a a type of deck style that ignores card advantage, which is the opposite of what classic control is. It's the opposite of what Jun does. Like because you know I've been on this podcast arguing many a time that Jund and Junk are the true control decks of the format. Right. Jund is a deck that you're playing a bunch of cards that stop your opponent from doing stuff and slowly grind them out till you win. Um, because it plays Tarmogoyf, that's, you know, slightly disagrees with that statement, but, right. you know, Tarmogoyf has classically been called the best blue card ever printed. Right. So, and part of that is these tempo conversations, but if you look at what blue's trying to do in this format... Almost every single blue deck is much more along the lines of a tempo deck. And part of that is, like, even Snapcaster Mage is a great tempo play. Definitely. Because, Snaps, yeah. because flashing back Lightning Bolt, using Lightning Bolt early to clear a threat, and then flashing it about later to do that extra three damage you need to kill them off is, like, a, a very important play for tempo to be able to do. Yeah, Bolt Snap Bolt is like one of the all-time tempo plays. Though it's also, weirdly enough, Bolt Snap Bolt has <laughs> it's not just a tempo play; it's also a control play in modern because the because the American control decks would like make a living on that move. Right, but uh, the control decks I feel like enjoy more the path snap path plan, where sure. like you're getting rid of that creature forever. It handles any creature you could possibly play. You're just who cares how many lands they have because what you're going to do is be more powerful right. and your removal spells are just going to be able to handle anything in that deck anyways. Versus Bolt Snap Bolt, which is like, a am taking you out from six life to zero this right. turn. Yep. Because of my Delver Secrets, my Young Pyromancer, my Geist of Traft, my turn two Snapcaster Mage I just flashed in because I needed a threat in play did enough damage to you that I can now kill you this way. It's interesting to see the relationship between blue control and blue tempo in modern because it seems like they toe a line together. That's like it's it sort of seems like for instance like let's let's talk about the Grixis control decks for a minute. Um there's a version of that Grixis control deck that plays all removal spells. It's just all removal and right, a couple which is creatures. More the Grixis control. But that same version of that same deck sub in four creatures and it can feel exactly like a tempo deck. Right. It subs in the uh the delve yeah, easily because all you're doing is the same thing. You're playing yeah, a bunch taskers. of it's that it's that spell velocity. It's it's when we talked to Chapin on that episode and he was telling us about how like it's not about getting card advantage off of a single card. It's about stringing together one, two, three, four cards in a row that are maybe each gaining you half a card or so. Right. And and that's that momentum, that spell velocity, eventually uh, uh, gelling together to create that advantage, which is sort of like. That that's a weird hybridized kind of like control meets tempo style of play. Sure, I mean like what what I mean when we talked about this episode, but spell velocity is the effect that you know it's not how many cards you're drawing, it's not spell advantage or card advantage, it's how many cards you're seeing throughout your game and how you can capitalize on those to take advantage of your opponent to stop them just long enough to kill them. Right, and that is all what tempo is. Like literally the the way this these decks work is. I'm pr trying to just kill you as soon as possible, but instead of comboing out, which is what a lot of decks do, like Infect, um, or even like Death Shadow Zoo, these are decks that are much more trying to you know, play a more fair game, but stop you from doing what you're doing once their game plan is online. Right. Which is, like, the reason Delver is such a premier tempo card, um, even though I currently think it's not that great in modern, right. is because... Turn one, how many things, what cards are people playing turn one? Serum Visions? Serum Visions. Delver yep. of Secrets. 
um, burn plays cards because it's burn. Yep, burn plays cards because it's burn. I mean, in fact, we'll play like a one drop creature hierarch. or hierarchs. Like, but like most of the Companies one drops are like, like, a, like yeah, like a, so you have like mana creatures. It's a pretty free turn. You don't. There's not a lot of interaction you have to do on turn one. You have time to just kind of lay out a threat and then protect it from that point on. Yeah, which is why Delver is classically one of the better tempo cards. Um, and we were talking about earlier that I think actually turn two now is becoming a little bit more important tempo friendly as well yeah i mean it's you don't have to answer in, in modern like on turn two you like, can't just the amount lose. of threats like infect and burn are the only two decks i can think of that have threats and maybe affinity that you have to answer their threat turn two or you lose i mean if yeah modern's not designed to be a format where you can you can you lose on turn three so so yeah. you have that extra turn to kind of find the answer you need to answer what they're doing there's a few decks that like definitely propose a problem like Death Shadows do can run on turn uh, turn two, turn three. In fact, can do it. There's a version. Um, probably, I'm sure there's a version of Storm. Like if they get the Stone Cold Nuts, I think they can still win on turn two. Yeah. Right? Um, and then uh, Elves is another deck that, like, if right. I'm playing tempo, like, if I don't answer their Elves early, they'll just snowball out of the way what's for it, me. What's it called? Um, uh, the, the Arcane Resurrection Instant Speed 2-mana thing. Gora's Vengeance? Yeah. That ha I mean, it can't win, but it can, like... No, Gora's Vengeance can win on turn two. It still can? Yeah. They didn't ban anything out of it. Oh, because, yeah, the whole thing with the shoal, right? Yeah, but Grishol yeah, uh, brand. I was thinking about cheating in something giant. Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's... They the, do cheat something. It's called Grizzle brand. Yeah. There's a few... So, there's <laughs> a few... There's a few decks. There's a few decks that can do it, um, but that's not common, and you can't... You're not going to ever construct your deck to be able to, like, actually combat a turn two win in modern. That's stupid. You even probably wouldn't build your deck to combat a turn three win in modern because they're still very rare. I do, th I, I do think we still do. Like, uh, you know, we talked about a long time how how um, Splinter Twin decks prevented turn three plays, and I think the format is definitely much more wide open to people playing turn three or three drops, sorcery three drops that aren't in black. Um, but I also think, in fact, Affinity Burn all still punish the three drop. A little bit more heavily than allows you to play them. Looking back now, do we actually think that the banning of Splinter Twin was the correct move? Yes. Right. I, I mean, the format definitely is more healthy now. The one argument I'd make is: is it a more fun format? I guess. And I don't. I think it is. Twin, like twin, like I think what Twin did is like it allowed us to stand in this place where we knew the format so well, we had discussed it so many times, that you had this like very clear understanding of what you could and couldn't do in modern. Sure. And I think now it's a little bit more wide open, which is a good thing, but it's also like a hard to understand what's good and not good anymore. Right. It used to be well, sort of easy. Like, And that's also because we're like, all, we went through like three band cycles during the GP cycle for modern. Yeah. So we're now in this area where it's just pre-TQs and, 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 and SEG events and stuff, which we can pay attention to. And, like, one of the reasons, like, Death Shadows has now become a huge, more, like, a much more popular deck. Yeah. Um, which is, like, that combined with Delirium has made Misha's Bobble a 30 to $40 card, which so is ridiculous. insane. <laughs> um, but if we look at kind of what the different decks that are available a lot of them you know they're just kind of there's the really aggressive creature decks there's the mid-range decks there's definitely a good cycle of decks i i do want to do an episode one day on no ban list modern yeah it'd be fun um maybe next week even how much how much would a box of cold snap cost at this point it has to have skyrocketed it's an uncommon yeah right there's nothing else in i don't know if it's gone up i mean cold snap is like also not is there anything else in that set? dark depths i think right that's uh, the only card but that's just getting reprinted yeah so dark depths and mistress bobble 
And I think after that, it's pretty much nothing. I think you're Lightning just, Storm? Yeah, Zur the Enchanter's in that set. Zur the Enchanter? Uh, there's probably one other legend that we're forgetting. But then aside from that, it's like th- when that set was when out. Are we like, going to do th- Are we gonna do that? Oh, I guess we could do that with our core set cycles. The Cold Snap? Yeah, what are we going to talk about? Because we're, I mean, for those who don't know, we have a site, we're doing a list of, we're eventually we'll get through every set of modern, and, yeah. or every block in Copping modern, cards in that but then set. like core sets will be kind of smushed together. I guess we have to do Cold Snap with a core set. Uh, here's some cards that we're forgetting. Oran Viper, that's a sweet card. That I played against that yesterday in uh, Commander. Yeah, that card's not, not that, yeah, actually competitive, but that was good in, mo- in standard. Oh, I one-shotted every single person on my table yesterday. Nice. With Geist. Uh, Oren Viper, there's uh, Vexing Sphinx, which is that card I love, that 4-4 four, four for 3 with the cumulative upkeep discard a card thing. Oh, I actually like that card. That card's sweet. That, card That's a, sweet. that card actually is like ha- has Wait, potential. Why are, we getting, why are we talking about Cool Snap? All right. <laughs> well, one last thing I want to do about Tempo, and then we can actually move on to <laughs> uh, the, next, the next thing is uh, I want to do Tempo by the turn. I want to okay. go through each turn of the game uh, from turn 1 to turn 6 plus and kind of talk about what the deck is trying to do and should be doing at that point if the plan is going well. Okay. Um, turn 1. Sorry, I was looking at Cold Snap. Um. <laughs> All right, so turn one, you really have two options. In a tempo deck, yes. Uh, you're setting up pre- future turns, playing cards like Serum Visions. Serum Visions is the, or, that's the quintessential. Uh, the, oh man, I'm blanking. The blue card, Mill 2, draw card. Thoughtscour. Thoughtscour. Like, those yeah. are kind of the two. Maybe Gitaxi and Probe if you don't want to pay the life. Uh, um, or you're resolving a threat. Or you're resolving a or, threat. Or, I'm mean, saying that's like setting up future yeah. terms or gaining information or, 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 or creating card velocity. Uh, or resolving a threat like Delver of Secrets. Um, Nicotl, he gets in, in like an old counter cat deck. Yeah, counter cat deck. Or, um, or like Swift Spear. Is, yeah, is, Swift Spear is, is another good tempo turn one play. Are there any other like distinctive one drops in tempo decks in modern? I guess uh, I have, you know, it's possible that you could say Hierarch is, is a tempo card because there are bant lists that play like. Yeah, tempo bant. Yeah, like turn one Hierarch into turn two V click. Sure. Um, that kind of a deck. So, but I mean, yeah, that's like. And it's not really a threat either because it's like an accelerant, but it is kind of a threat. So anyway, yeah, there's there's like four or five distinctive threats you could play on turn one in modern. There's probably some we're not naming, like yeah, and like I, I guess Grix's control. The, the third option is discard. I guess yeah, some tempo decks are playing a little bit more of a discard game, and that is the last thing you kind of do in turn one. Um, turn two, turn two, I feel like is the key turn for tempo. You have to be laying down a threat or getting in protecting the threat that already exists. See, like, this dis- is the time you s- you s- just cast Snapcaster Mage at the end of their yeah, turn I, as a two-drop. I, I think I disagree that turn two is the distinctive turn in tempo. I think actually the distinctive turn in tempo is turn three. But I, I think, think if you don't do anything turn two in tempo, you l- aren't, you're going to have a real hard time winning. You have to do something turn two. I, mean, like, I think laying down a threat. Like This is the turn in modern... Or any in modern, you have to like in in legacy turn one is this turn, but you have to lay a threat down. Here's the thing though: in legacy, turn two Tarmogoyf backed up by days is a thing. So that's why that's why turn two and that what you do on turn two is so important in legacy because you have a free counterspell. Well, I'm saying turn one in legacy is more important because you have Nimble Mongoose and Delver that you're playing turn one. Where where Geist is or Tarmogoyf is a little bit of like what the Geist threat would be in this format or what your Gurmag Angler would be, which is your later game threat that you can play alongside Counter Magic. Um, Where in this one, like Pyromancer, Snapcaster Mage, like you need to be playing. Right, so like something hold, hold, that get just aggressive. So like turn one, Serum Visions, hold open, remand on turn two is like probably not good enough. That's like that's pretty controlly unless you have V click on turn three or something. Yeah, that's yeah. I I, I feel you on that in that sense. I was gonna say because like, think what we talked about earlier. What are they doing on turn two? What's the best thing your opponent can do in turn two in modern? Other than the few examples we came out where they just like insta win for the most part, they're Tarmogoyf, playing a Bob, they're playing a Tarmogoyf, they're yeah. playing. 
maybe a young pyromancer. Yeah. Maybe uh, out of burn, you're getting. Um, oh, uh, Eidolon. Eidolon of Great Revels. You're getting, you know, right. Storm Electromancer, maybe. But like these are things that you could lightning bolt on your upkeep or yeah. on your turn without much damage to you. Um, or decide that, like, you know, if they played it, if you're on the play, you or you're on the draw, you can lightning bolt it if you have to. But in reality, you should be either getting rid of something they're doing or playing a threat. And I don't think holding up remand is a good tempo play. No. And, I mean, I suppose there's nothing, really, that can be played against you on turn two that's just a hard threat that worries you if you are a push damage tempo deck. Because even right. if it's, like, a combo deck, they play, like, Anafenza or Malyra on turn two. It's still just okay. Kill it or snag it or something, or even just right. Like, like when I say you have to do something on turn two, that includes bolting the creature that they played. <laughs> Going card for card is fine. It's just you need to be doing something, and turn two is that turn. And most of the time, it should be playing playing a threat, unless they play a threat that's more dangerous than your threat. Anafenza with us, like if they go turn one Viscerous or turn two Anafenza, get rid of the Anafenza. <laughs> yeah. If they play Goro, like Goro's Venge is the one deck that's just like. Well, you lose. I mean, like, what are you going to do? But, like, that's also just next game you, you play a much more controlly game and you just know that that's what they're going to do. I think the other thing, too, is that, like, based on your hand, this is why I say turn two or turn three. I mean, they're distinctly the two most important turns for sure. Because by turn four in modern, you should be – there's a couple things happening. You're worrying about a much stronger thing your opponent can be doing. They're actually getting to the point of like being able to win with a normal curve, mm-hmm. um, and also you should be able to do a couple things. You should be like by turn four in a tempo deck, you should be angling to like, how am I going to win in the next three turns? Like I, I probably you know you should be setting up for it. So I think turn two is if you have a threat heavy hand, so you can aff- you can afford to play that Tarmogoyf and have that Tarmogoyf get path if if you know if that's whatever. Like if you have another Goyf or if you don't, if it's a hand with like a bunch of spells. Maybe like a spell pierce and a goif. That's where you probably resolve the remand on turn two, play the goif on turn three, holding open spell pierce to protect it. Um, and I think that's the kind of game plan you have to decide based on your opening hand because tempo is distinctly the kind of deck. I mean, tempo decks. Um, and historically, you've seen this as examples like in fairies back in the day was a great example of this. Twin was just like this, where you have to make the decision at some point: Are you going to go from being interactive control to aggressive? And that's gonna that's gonna depend on the uh, well, who's the, the beatdown? Like that's always kind of the discussion. And it depends on what's in your hand. So, like I said, if you start the game and it's like two serum visions, three land, one tarmogoyf, and a spell pierce, like, all right, you're gonna play, probably play serum visions on turn one. You're gonna hope you draw a second threat, and if you don't, you might sandbag that tarmogoyf until turn three, holding open spell pierce because it's your only threat. And if you don't draw another one, and on turn four you haven't done any damage probably not looking that good. You have to draw a lot of threats to win the game at that point. So that's, I think, where th- the difference between turn two and turn three. And I would say tempo decks historically probably play between 12 and 16 creatures, usually. Um, I guess 12 is a little light. 12 is twelve is the minimum. Yeah, 12 to 16, but rarely past 16. I've built I ones... I think 12 is probably... I would say 14 is the average. Yeah. With, I've, like, two higher-end threats and the, the re- 12... To what for? I've gone as high as eighteen before. Historically, like seven threat seventeen and eighteen are two copies of E-Click Whenever I build decks like this, okay, um, and you cut down, you know, to seventeen if you're trying to make room for the extra land or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I would still say that turn three is the most important turn in a tempo deck in modern. Um, I think it's I think it's your opportunity to sort of like jump whatever hurdle is in front of you. 
by like dodging their removal spell or like playing playing a threat and holding open a piece of counter magic, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's like or it's like play your threat on turn two, they do their thing on turn three, and then it's like you kill that thing and hold hold open counter magic for your threat that you're now protecting. Um something like that, right? Right. Or maybe it's like you snag their blocker holding open remand. And you know, now you're now you're setting up like this. Okay, I have my Tarmogoyf. It's got four damage, that's the plan. Um so anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's turn two, one, two, three, uh, and then basically it's kind of four, five, and six plus, where it's all stop your opponent or you lose. <laughs> I mean, what by turns four, five, and six in modern, your opponent will be doing something. You can't stop everything you're doing. They're doing. You're not a control deck. You're not like a straight up. I have an answer for everything you do because otherwise you wouldn't be able to push damage as efficiently. Sure. So it's kind of like when people say to you, "Oh, Goblin Guide is another card that we forgot on turn one that shows up in these decks." Um, That's much rarer, though. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I guess Swift Spear is more the yeah. Which is uh, and and there's there's a few things. I mean, let's finish the turn things. There's a few I want to talk about tempo and relationship to some of blues tempo and relationship to other colors. Right. There's there's uh, at least a few things I want to talk about. But uh, so turn four, five, and six. Well, so I think what starts to happen is like somebody will say to you, "All right, good good example." When people are talking about burn, they'll say Goblin Guy is the best card in the deck. Usually, usually that's like guys that play like mono red. They'll tell you that that's the best card in the deck, and they'll say, "I'll say like I'll say to them like, okay, how much damage do you have to get out of a guide to feel like you got your money's worth?" And I've heard people say like, "Okay, you need a minimum of four. You pr- you almost will always get a minimum of four. And if you get six, that's just gravy, right? If you get six damage out of a guide, that's like, oh, oh my goodness, this is one mana." So. Consider the same thing for the cards in your deck, right? If you play a Delver on turn one and you flip your Delver and you actually are able to get in with it twice before they kill it, you get six off a Delver, that's one mana. That's fantastic. Um, You you have to have enough threats in the deck to rebound from the fact that they're going to kill your things and interact with you. They're going to resolve things. They're playing powerful cards. So I think turns four through seven, it's a different game. It's like one through three is a very... One through three is very much a chess match. It's very much like, okay... I've done this on turn one to set up this on turn three. On turn two, I have to hold this open. And if I don't have enough threats, I have to play this, holding this open to counter your spell. By turn four, it's like, all right, how much more damage do I have to get in, right? What's my plan? Well, Are you at nine? It a little bit more of a, I need, how many bolts can I draw to kill you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, okay, and th- this is where you'll see people sometimes flash and Snapcaster on turn two as just an aggressive threat based on the density of their hand. Threat density is everything. So... That's, I think, what turn four is the first turn where it's like, is it my turn to push more damage? Am I getting super aggressive here? Do I have my foot on your throat a little bit? Or do I need to protect this threat? Or, like, I think it's kind of reading your opponent. Because by turn six, six, six and seven, you really have to be close to winning, if not having already won in a deck like this, because your card power is not high enough. The later turns in tempo decks are terrible. Like, they're just bad. Because you're right. because you're, you're you're only out as like your best play you have is Snapcaster Mage. Nobody wants to draw Delver on turn seven. Right. You know? Just nobody. Like it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um so I think uh if you're if you're still worried about things on turn seven in a tempo deck, be good at magic. Will, yeah. <laughs> be good at magic, because it's probably not gonna be that pretty. Um all right, so we want to talk about a little bit of uh, of its relations to color and, and problems that these kind of decks face. So the first is blue white, and, and we kind of touched on this of how path is really good in some of these decks. The problem is, and I think we actually just got kind of an answer to this problem, is that Mana Leak and Path to Exile are terrible together. Yeah. And Path is really bad at allowing your tempo deck to stop them with the counter magic available in Modern because so many of them require your opponent to be low on lands. Right. 
um, because of bounce spell. Now, the new counter spell that just came out, the Venser counter spell. Oh, yeah. The uh, one that. Substantiate? I think so. Called? One blue, one colorless, uh, bounce a creature or counter or bounce a spell on the, the stack. The Venser spell. Yeah, yeah, the Venser spell. Yeah. Um, I think it's better because the Mana Lake, at least, because late game, at worst, you can still bounce their creature to their hand. Okay. And the end of their turn. So instead of them just getting to recast it, it's still kind of buying you a turn versus man versus mana leak or remand, where sometimes you're just stuck. Like they cast a Tarmogoyf with four mana open. Right. Remand's just okay then because you draw a card, but then you're just paying a cycle slash target player needs to spend two more mana than they normally would, but they still have a Tarmogoyf. Right. Um, so that's that's definitely something that helped blue white. Um, blue red. The main important thing is that this is a format where fetches are everywhere. Yep, and snap and bolt are really good together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what you would you would argue that blue red is the pri- is the premier tempo color in modern or tem- yeah. uh, tempo co- uh, color combination in modern. Right? Yeah, and I've been arguing for why that blue red and black green are the two best color combinations in modern. Yeah, I think it's fair. Pretty like by a pretty wide margin. I'm sort of surprised that blue black's never broken through. Just like just sweet demir decks. There's like so many good demir. Cards. I, was talking, so I was talking to someone recently. I think the problem with blue black is that blue black was really really good in a magic world that had bad creatures and creatures are just so much better yeah that blue black just doesn't have the tools to be able to deal with and and non-creature like permanents are so much better that like blue black and spells are way worse so like what blue black was good against fighting against is not as good and what blue black is bad against is better yeah true um i'm still going through these cold snap cards (laughs) uh oh wow that's an uncommon yeah yeah counterbalance is Thirty-three dollars. That's uh, that's. I guess cold snap packs are very expensive because if you have two thirty-three dollar uncommons in the set, yeah, it seems pretty good. Yeah. Though, though, I'd be. I wonder if it, it's caught up to Mistress Bubble, being thirty-three bucks. I mean, even the snow covered island is a dollar fifty. Dark depths being I would a rare. Snow colored mountain is the one that's more expensive. Fifty-seven dollars for dark depths. How much is snow colored mountain? Snow covered mountain is two bucks. Yeah. Scrying sheets is six dollars. That's a sweet card. Keep going. I'll keep looking. Okay. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, Braid of Fire is $10. That's the cumulative upkeep. You get them right yeah. mana. Card's cool. Really bad in modern because of Breath Decay. But yep. All right. So let's stop looking at. <laughs> All right. So that's kind of tempo. I, uh, I have, I do, you know, we have, we were at the 37 minute mark. Yep. Um, I do have a vampire list that people kept asking about online. Um, and so we're going to talk about it. Cool. More another brew because it's we're we're an Innistrad. How many times do we get to talk about spirits, vampires, werewolves, and zombies? And we asked some of you guys recently, like, did you were you interested at all in us doing a brew each week, even if it is just for a few minutes? And some of you liked it, so yep. here here we go. So, <laughs> vampires, sweet. Currently, the deck is playing thirty-one creatures, <laughs> thirty-one spells, creatures, and twenty-two lands. Wow, <laughs> uh, it definitely is a little bit of a madness deck. Okay. Its reach is built off the fact that Blood Artist exists. Yep. And so, as a, and it's a vampire. So, like, late game, you get a Blood Artist in play, and you have Blood Ghasts, Viscera Seers, and you can kind of just have this cycle drain situation. Right. But it also has just the fact that Vampire Nocturnus, if you have a black card on top of your deck, and you have enough creatures in play already, just outright wins you the game. Vampire Nocturnus is super sweet. So d- d- that's, the, that's the four drop, black, 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 one? Yeah, it's, it's one black, black, black. Three black one. Yeah. Uh, three three. Play with the top card of your library revealed. As long as the top card of your library is black, Vampire Nocturnus and other vampire creatures you control get plus two, plus one, and half line. That card's so sweet. Yeah. It's like <laughs> pretty nuts. Like well, never so gets played. Things that like have changed is you know the n- there's a lot of new card vampire cards and 
the deck's currently playing eight red spell or uh, sorry, twelve red spells between four lightning bolt, four Falconrath Gorger, and four Stormkick Noble. Noble, uh, Falconrath Gorger is kind of one of the key cards of the deck, though. So like, this is the first two one for one with upside that's ever been printed in red. Is that really true? Yeah, there's no like, there's this is not even a draw. There's no drawback on this card. The two ones it's and the two twos are always like if you take damage or you it, can't block. It, it or takes damage. It can't block. Right. Like this is blatantly just a two one for one. Right. With no downside. Sweet. And technically a huge upside because the fact that it gives each vampire creature you control uh, madness yep. is kind of a huge game because you get to play cards like um, Air Falconrath and the new Lord, which kind of makes the deck possible, Stormkirk Condemned. Stormkirked Condemned, which is the black, black, Strom- discard a Strom- card. Kirk? Yes. Strom, oh, there's an R there. Stromkirk, yeah. <laughs> Sage, Sage, Sage. Uh, vampires you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Activist ability only each once each turn. But like, first off, blood gas is great with this. Yep. Asylum visitor is a really good card in this kind of I format. I love asylum. Which visitor. is like the other one that kind of pushes the deck over the top. It's a three-one for two. Yep. Which is already like borderland a thing you could consider playing. Right. Has madness for two, black and a colorless. And then at the beginning of each player's upkeep, if that player has no cards in hand, you draw a card and lose that one life. Okay. So, late game, you get two of these in play. You're drawing three threats a turn to your opponents, and maybe even more if your opponent has no cards in hand. You start getting very, very deep into the the land of of velocity and threats. We've talked a lot about Asylum Visitor on here. It's just like th- we think that card's just yep. like very pushed and hasn't actually seen like anywhere near enough play. So, what are your what are your seven spells? Uh, four lightning bolt, one call of the bloodline, and two dismember. Though I think it's correct to do. Um, if you Inquisition or Kozilex over Dismembers. Call of the Bloodline? Call of the Bloodline is the enchantment that's like an all-star in Shadow of Innistrad. It's like one of the most important cards in SOI draft. It's a, a black and a colorless enchantment. Oh, I know this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, one yeah. mana, discard a card, put yep. a 1-1 one, one black vampire knight creature token with lifelink onto the battlefield, activate this once each turn. And this, yeah, because this is this is one of your madness enablers. It's, it's one of the madness enablers, but it also like gets a lot of tokens in the play. It makes every land you draw late game a 1-1 one, one lifelink vampire, which, you know, is okay, but also just can be nuts because it's a life... Like, lifelink is the ability to not be underestimated, and the fact that, you know, with Vampire Nocturnus, these get real big real quick. What's the name of the vampire that you, you named where you discard a card to give your vampires plus one, plus one to one of turn? Uh, Stromkirk Condemned. That's the card, yeah, okay. I said it correctly. Yeah. Yay! Good for you. I mean, yeah, this it feels like it feels like the uh, the tribal density here was pushed pretty pretty heavily, pretty well. It, like the whole deck is one drops and two drops. It's playing four, eight, ten one drops. Actually, I can do this with a little graph. Te- 14 one drops, 18 two drops, two three drops, and four four drops. This Between deck three would. Vampire Nocturnus and one uh, Kalidus. This deck would outclass my Spirits deck, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. It would bum I mean, r- I think we'd just bum rush it. I think, I think yeah, maybe with the, the weird four <laughs> drop that locks things down. Except that the weird four drop that locks things down might actually be like my best bet against you because it's big enough to block and it has an interactive but, but, element. But like turn four, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But then I have Blood Guest, Blood Artist, Viscera Seer combo where I just like sit there and let you do nothing and true. drain you for... Lingering Souls would be good against you. It would yeah. protect me, but it's true. The Blood Artist thing is tough. Right. Like, like the, What's cool about the deck is it has a few different plans of attack that all kind of attack and that's and that's the key to these kind of decks like merfolk has this like elves has this where you need to have multiple directions to attack your opponent from right otherwise your deck doesn't like it can be just handed out really easily if you're an aggro deck that's only trying to attack your opponent you're not going to get very far but the fact that this deck can very easily go from i'm trying to attack my opponent right to 
on the ground to I'm trying to attack my opponent with flyers that are much bigger because of Vampire Nocturnus to I'm trying to get my Kalidus big right. to my Blood Artist, Blood Gasts, and Viscerous and Sack Outlets are just going to make my creatures much bigger like or just drain you for life is, right. is a very strong versatility that the deck kind of has access to. Right. It's kind of like Affinity being able to win with Gropper, Aether Grid, whatever that card's called. Yeah, yeah. What's that card called? Yeah, I think, I mean. Gropper. Gralper? Uh, you're asking me how to say a card correctly? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's the deck. I mean, obviously, control, it can move into a little bit more of a control game plan with, you know, adding Kalidus and Olivia. Um, I actually am playing one Vampire Hex Mage on the sideboard for those plants, pesky Planeswalkers that are out there because I think that's sick. But Are you playing um, any Chronozoas? No. <laughs> Why? Because of Hex Mage? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's the Vampire list. We'll, we'll have this list on our page. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Cool. So I think we've done a tribal deck of every variety for Shadows of Vinishad. Yeah. I think you even did a werewolf deck at one point. We talked about it, maybe? And we did like a bunch of zombie ones. I kept trying with werewolves. I had the, I had my one, like... Can I had that print one. anything in this new set that kind of made werewolves worth it? It's just... And it's a shame that we're not going to get werewolves again for a long time. It's just, we need... We need that... I don't know if that's true. We like, need that other two Wizards has kind of said that they're willing maybe to do werewolves, just they won't be flip cards. Got it. I need another sweet two-drop. That's what it is. If, if you give me a sweet two-drop in red-green, I can make that deck work. Um, it got close. It got close. I was, I was so close. What about close. a wolf two-drop lord? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would love it. Like a green-green, all wolves get plus one, plus zero. Yeah. For, for It'd be sick. Two-two. It'd be sick. <laughs> that plus mare, plus Immerwolf, plus the uh, silver for partisan and like targeted things. Yeah. It's just nuts. Silver for partisan is a card that I know there's like the combo you can do with it, but I guarantee that's unexplored. That's going to turn into a thing. It, it's, it was, I was so close. I was so close. Isn't the card also nuts with the red goblin guy? That's what I was saying. That's yeah, the combo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. combo. That's just like yeah. things into play. I still love the idea of playing it with, uh, with uh, travel preparations. It's still like my favorite thing in the world. Okay. <laughs> it's so sweet. It's so sweet. All right. So that's that's kind of the episode for today. Uh, you haven't experienced any of the non-magic things that I... I mean, like, do you have a non-magic thing you want to talk about before we end the episode? No. I unfortunately, I have, to get to the, I have to get to the next job now. Okay. So. I could just talk about all no. the things once you leave. No. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening yeah. to the episode today. Be sure to check out the commands on rocketjump.com. It's our sister podcast, dmtwclothing.com. They're our partners. We're working to make clothing and awesome products and video content that will be coming out very soon and uh find us on twitter at the yep. mmcast check out the mat that they're selling uh we're at the at the, we're at the, at, at the mmcast on pretty much everything check out our patreon yeah uh, please donate guys i mean it, it definitely helps us accomplish stuff helps us pay the bills um please uh also subscribe to our youtube channel we are releasing videos there and we will start releasing like a ton of videos there yeah um, soon and most of it's going to be magic. I might finally get to capitalize on having my non-magic, <laughs> my non-magic minute. You can have your magic minute at the beginning of the week, and I'll have my non-magic minute at the end of the week. It'll be great. It's a good thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, and then um, Suicide Squad was like a C minus D plus. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> <All> right, bye. <laughs> Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>